Hello and welcome to another episode of 6060. We are continuing our last mainline conversation on defending against falsehood with myself, Pranvia and Alfred. Without further ado, let's hop right back in. I think an interesting thing for us to consider um, in all of this and also in um, the way that we we critique, challenge, and even instruct people is um, what is the, um, when does um, doing something or saying something or promoting something that is not um, biblically sound and that you and I or others um, deem not to be biblically sound, when does that become a false teaching and ends a false teacher. I think that is that is a that is a um, because there must be if I'm telling you and saying and preaching and teaching um, things that conflict with scripture, you know, at some point I've got to be classified as either a false teacher, yes, or something else. Yeah, mm. there there is a there is a cutoff because it's easy for me to uh, to stand up and to preach and I preach and I preach something that is um that on reflection and probably not on my reflection but when somebody comes and say oh Pastor Williams did you did you did you really mean um when you were preaching and you said A B C did you really mean that or was that just like in the heat of the moment or something like that now. And if you bring something to my attention and I and we look at it at the scripture and you clearly show me and I identify, oh, yeah, 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 yeah that, that it's wrong. Well, well, and, I, and I'm prepared to, to say, yeah, yeah, that was a mistake or that's not really what I meant. Or, no, no, no. Then obviously I'm not a false teacher. I've made a mistake. I've made an error. But if I know something is wrong, well. Well, this is another thing about it as well. Do I? You don't really need to know that it's wrong. You just need to be. I think if if you're corrected, you know, and you hold, if you say if you hold a particular view, and you strongly believe your view, and I um and I go against your view, and I preach and promote against your view, I guess in your highs, I must be classed as a false as a false teacher. So, so here is the thing is, um, it is, it is who sits on the moral ground or who sit, let me not call it moral ground, who sits at the, um, who is God talking to? So if God is talking to you and he's not talking to me and I'm still going down, down the road um, saying whatever God is not saying, then I think I am a false teacher. You know, and this is where, this is where we need to really know and understanding and believe and, and be sure that God is giving us an interpretation of scripture or is giving us a word and that word is true and that word is biblically sound, then, you know, so that we, and hence I think this is where the Apostle Paul is coming from when he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because at one time I would say the Apostle, the Apostle Peter, um, you know, um, he definitely did call, cause division because of his false um, approach, interpretation, or, or, or whether it was an inter well, interpretation and, and practice 
So he was, he was being false to the doctrine. He was being false to the gospel. And the apostle Paul corrected him and told him that he was, he was playing an hypocrite, you know? And um, so, um, so, so there is a, there is a bit of a, um, I, would, I don't even know if to call it a conundrum or what, but there is a point where, you know, somebody makes mistake, but then to perpetuate and to continue down that road, at some point, somebody's got to be classed as a false teacher, as a false preacher. I agree with that. I agree. Totally. Um, could I just um, add, add to that, if I may, uh, Pastor William? Sure. sure. I, I was thinking that if someone is a false teacher, this is a pretty serious state to be in because a teacher, I think, who began right, but turns into error, I class them as a teacher, yeah? Now, we all make errors. We can be corrected, as you said. But I think the scripture looks at it from a slightly different angle. The scripture is very clear on those who are unruly or those who are not understanding the scriptures, those who are weak in the faith, those who are not so mature. But when it comes to false teachers, false apostles, and false prophets, it does put them in different categories. So, as you know, in the Greek, it's pseudo, behaving like or standing against. So I think a, a false teacher is someone who may have began right, began with the gospel, but somewhere along the line, they have gone astray. And a very good example, which is given in the scriptures, is Balaam. So if we turn to Jude, we, we are given some examples of what Jude is describing about false teachers. He talks about a number of people uh, he talks about situations in uh, Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. He talks about uh, the, the false teachers, their behavior. He talks about how they think, how they present themselves, how they talk, um, what their real motives and intentions are. It's those motives that really give way to who they are. For those who are true uh, believers and to true teachers of the word, they're going to stand up for Christ no matter what. And they're going to stand against uh, covetousness and greed and all of that. I was reading yesterday about, um, you know, Naaman, the Syrian leper, who was a general in the army. Yeah. And he came to Elisha asking for healing. And they brought in, uh, how shall I describe it, camel's load and, and all sorts of clothes and raiment and gold. And those are the very things that Paul says, I've coveted no man's gold or silver or raiment. That tells you that somebody has. Now think of Balaam. Think of Gehazi, who was uh, Elisha's servant. They turned away from the truth. Now, Balaam is a very odd character because this man was definitely under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but also another spirit was taking over. If you read his sermon carefully, he said what God told him to say, but he added his own bit on the end. Thus saith the man who had his eyes opened, sort of asleep and awake at the same time. He was in a trance falling, yeah? That little um, self-exaltation is what led to his destruction. And why was he doing that? Because he started promoting himself rather than the word of God. And that's what destroyed him in the end. And so I feel that False teachers may have begun right, but somewhere along the line, the silver, the gold, and the raiment has come in. And these false preachers we see in te uh, the televangelists, they have no shame about talking how many 
wardrobes they have and yeah. multiple changes of suits and and we can go on into looking into Jude what, and into Second Peter, what their behavior is like and how they, what they're actually doing. It does link adultery to this as well. Very fascinating. Yeah. Yes, I agree with all of that. You know, that um, a false teacher clearly, you, you know, um, is, is somebody there who, um, though the word of God clearly says something differently, they're promoting something different because the Bible does not um, does not um, um, commend us to be boasters and to make it sound as if to say it is of God that we should, you know, have um, a house full of um, revenue and stuff like that. And we make that like a central part of the gospel. If I am rich financially or in any other wise, that is not a central part of the gospel at all. That is an incidental thing, you know, Jesus, Jesus really said to his disciple when they asked him, he said, Master, we have forsaken all to follow you. you what, what are we going to get? And he says, in this life, you, you'll get your hundredfold with all the, um, the, the, the anxiety and trouble that comes with it. But in the, in the life after, you will have eternal life. You know, so the main thing is not about, you know, the, the sumptuous um, food and, and as a matter of fact if those things are main factors in in what you're doing and if you and if they're not being seen if you feel that um therefore you're not um a successful preacher or a successful christian i think you're a false teacher because jesus uh, himself said you know <laughs> uh, when when um men came to follow him he says um what do you want and they said where do, where do you live lord and he says foxes of holes birds of the hair of nest but the son of man have nowhere to lay his head the apostles they were people who um did not um demonstrate material wealth that was not the that was not um if that came i think i don't think they would have cursed it or anything but it was not part of their um that it was not their emphasis yeah so so yeah i think um people who make a big noise about financial wealth and prosperity, I would say that they contradict the very essence of the scripture if they were to look at the scripture. And you don't even have to look at the scripture very carefully to see that they're conflicting um, with, with the tenets and the, um, the, the, the spirit and the gravity of the, the word of God and the scripture and the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know? It's not about prosperity and I think, even the sinner people know that. So how is it then that people who are proposing the gospel of Jesus Christ um, cannot see clearly? Because there is, as Brother Parambi, as you have said, there's gain in it. And gain is something that people, it's the here and now. And people tend to gravitate a lot strongly to the things which are here and now. And that was the fall of Balaam. You know, he sought every which way Balaam did to see how he could um, satisfy um, Balak by um by 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 doing his bit and that is exactly what he did he he he, he, he um he he tried to he tried to um i don't know a man of his um caliber i don't know how he thought that he could um make a fool and a mockery of god because he knew better that he couldn't do that but he was trying to to hold a contradiction in two hands in two you know uh, he was trying to please god on the one hand and satisfy balak on the other hand so he said look i can't curse them because God has forbidden me to curse them, but I can, I can, I can instruct you, and that's exactly what He did. He instructed 
um, the uh, Balak and his people how to seduce um, Israel to transgress against God so that God himself would then punish them for their transgression, which is exactly what he did, you know, um, you know, so, um, so yeah. Uh, but, but again, another side to false teaching as well. I would say, for example, and I would be very, I don't think, I was going to say I would be very bold, and there's no boldness um, in this really, because I think the Catholic Church in some of its, um, the things that it does, and not just the Catholic Church, they prove themselves when they do um, promote those things to be false teachers. And, and the one thing I would say, especially coming to this particular season that we're in now, is that the Catholic, um, they, 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 um, they hold um, the Virgin Mary in such, a, um, in such a, um, a high and exalted position whereby they actually feel that they have they pray through her to get to Jesus Christ and make petition to her, Holy Mother of God, you know, speak to Jesus Christ on our behalf, kind of a thing, you know, which which thing is false because you know you're telling people that Mary um, is what she's not and Mary and what God did not make her, He did not make her an intercessory between them, um, between between um, us and, and, and God, you know, she was like the apostles, the, no 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 greater no less, you know. They were servants. They were not um, part of the um, part of that process. They can pray. She's dead. She's gone. You know. She has no more. She has no more. If she did speak words, which she did speak some beautiful words, um, you know, that we remember and we recite and we 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 exalt those words because they were magnificent revelation of how God had blessed her, you know, just like the apostles. We live on their words, but we don't live on them being now exalted into heaven where they are making intercession for us. You know, they're finished. Their words we have because their words are the word of God. Mary, when she spoke, her word also was the word of God. So if we want to um, digest and, and, and regurgitate and, and meditate on her words, then fine. But she has no more part to play. She's dead and gone. The apostles, they have no, I can't say, I'm going to have a chat with Peter. Well, again, they, the Catholic, they, they, they do raise um, um, the apostle Peter into some state that, and the apostle Paul probably into place where they don't belong. You know, and that is, I would suggest, false teaching. And if you practice those, that makes you false teachers of those things. Good point. Good point. Um... So the, I was thinking while you're talking um, about that situation in the Catholic Church, they also in their history suffered a little bit, not for Christ, but there was a, a massive promotion of what's called uh, indulgences. So basically, these TV evangelists, what they're doing is nothing new. It's always been around in Christianity, selling the gospel. In fact, Paul doesn't Paul say, does some preach Christ for gain? In his time, I find that shocking. So we have the apostle Paul, and we have false teachers. At the same time, we have false preachers, false apostles preaching for Christ. But then he makes distinctions. And he says something really shocking, which may be a lesson to them. He said, if you want to be an apostle, do you think it's an easy life? I'm paraphrasing now. Yes. He says, we're made as the scum of the earth, if I can use a modern translation. That's literally what he's saying, probably in the Greek. We are made of scoring, the scum of the earth. Uh, he says, in all 
but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. He says, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. Mm -hmm. Now, you never hear these false teachers being abased. No. They only have a one-sided gospel. Gain, gain, gain. And this is what's killing. I think this is an offense to God. They are causing an offense to the Gentiles, to unbelievers, and they're especially causing an offense to God. So yeah. the personality of the false teacher is magnetic. They are very well-spoken, but you can sense the same kind of psychology and the same kind of, uh, you know, the same kind of words and phrases that they use. You can pick out what the intentions are pretty quickly. Yeah. So I had somebody, I was asked to come on Re Revelation TV to give my testimony and I gave it. And uh, I said something like, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And the girl who was actually leading the interview said, we want to make, uh, make it clear that this is Palmer's own view. <laughs> and then I talked about um, how if you are a Christian, you're not necessarily going to be rich. And somebody rang me after the program and said, look at the scripture. It says, for your sakes, he became poor that you might be rich. <laughs> Misquotation. <laughs> well, this Mis is it, isn't it? <laughs> misinterpretation. It's definitely a misinterpretation. And I don't think they want to suffer for the cross. And this is the point I want to bring in. Reese, you talked about one of our topics that we may cover is persecution. Mm. And I looked carefully into the what is the cause of this year. Now, we know it's being a Christian. But if you really study the scriptures, you will realize it's not the name of Christian that brings uh, um persecution it's the preaching of the word mm. that is the ultimate satan has no problem with false hypocrites and christians and all that he hasn't got a problem with that what he has a problem with is the seed the word of god because that's what's going to save people's lives and the churches are busy i mentioned last week about serving tables now i meant that metaphorically getting involved in social programs they're not preaching the gospel they should be on their knees praying and seeking God for power, just like the early church did in the book of Acts, where they prayed for, when they realized the church was about to face persecution, they didn't care about that. They just said, Lord, give us boldness to preach your word. In this 21st century, we are becoming like the early church, and that's predicted that we're going to be like the early church. And what we need to do is start going back to the word. People are afraid to speak the word of God. Ministers are being choosy with their style of words some of them and i'm not accusing anyone mm. leaders mm. are comfortably sitting in their seats but what's happened is this covid19 uh has shook them up a little bit because now their income has come to distribute mm. so people were sitting comfortably but the gospel wasn't being preached they were serving tables god gets angry at that sort of situation so there's a double-edged sword here this uh, COVID-19 situation is shaking the church up on the one hand, warning the, the world on the other. Yes. And I believe the true man of God and woman of God yes. should take this as a sign to get ready to serve God because God is breaking down all kinds of walls because of the situation we're in. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. yes.
can you say because um since you brought up the so because the word of god because i this morning um i stumbled on it, no, it was in my mind but then i, I tried to work out where it was from so, um in hebrews 4 uh verse 12 it says for the word of god is living and effective and sharper than any two and, and any any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit joints and marrow it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart no creature is hidden from him but all things are naked and exposed um to the eyes of those whom we must give an account and i, I do feel like when when you do understand when the word of god hits you in its simple complexity it, it does it does one of two things essentially um it either convicts you and you see yourself for who you really are and you move with the Holy Spirit on that journey of sanctification or it hits you and you want to creep further into darkness. And I think it's that element that you see the persecution come out. So, well, I realise that I haven't actually got a justifiable, justifiable defence to override what you've said. So the only thing I can do now is make things uncomfortable for you because I I feel like there's there's a truth that's resonating with me in a way that nothing else has so i'm going to make things uncomfortable for you it's kind of like bullying essentially it's like well you made me feel bad so i'm going to inflict these things on you to do the same but i think we do need to get a grapple on do you need to get a grapple on um persecution as christians i can't remember if i said it before but um for me personally i would rather be prepared for persecution and maybe not see in my lifetime then to not be prepared and then to fall into it. So I'd rather be that soldier that's absolutely armed to the hilt, can't move because I've got all this artillery on me and I sit in a field of daisies for the rest of my life than to be sitting in my boxes in the middle of a, a war stricken field with all these things going on. It's like, okay, I haven't prepared for this. And I think the Holy Spirit kind of um, engineers you that engineers you towards that. Cause obviously if you look at Paul, not Paul, if you look at Peter, um, how uh, in the heat of him being um, questioned about, oh, do you know Jesus? Oh, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then um, to the point where obviously um, Jesus said it would. That's what would happen. And he, I guess, he tried to make a reason as to why it would never happen. It happened anyway. But then once the Holy Spirit was in him, it's like, okay, come what may, come what may, whatever comes, whether it be the fire, whether it be the sword, I will take it because. I I know that what I stand on is true and I was told that this would happen to me and I'm going to walk on through it. But um, I guess a lot of it is, does it kind of come down to us truly having a, a good grapple on what the scriptures scriptures saying? Because I guess it's like, um, I guess there's certain things that, because um, I wrote it down, because you mentioned it earlier, that there are certain things you can have different views on because I guess that there's things that we all view differently, but... Um, it's grace, Reece. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's grace. That doesn't change, does it? Yeah. So we, so, um, so we got the essentials. So if someone were to come in and say, like, "Oh, um, I really want to use his name, but I won't," if somebody comes in and says, "Oh, um, I believe that God is uh, one person, and He changes modes as according to what He needs to do in the Bible," we would all agree. It's like, no, this we the Bible um, clearly states it's the Trinity, and these are the things that. Um, that prove it uh and there's other things that you know we can uh rebuttal in that sense because we've got the unity we understand 
you know, we've sat down, we've studied, we've discussed, um, we've come to the conclusions, we've checked it all. It's like, okay, the, the Bible is clearly saying that this is what this is. Um, and I guess you've got like the secondary and tertiary issues, not issues, like the things that are discussed that aren't essentials, um, but can be worked out and can benefit you on your spiritual walk. And then um, I guess you've got like the falsehood sorts of stuff where it's just like there is no grounding on those things whatsoever. So those are the things you definitely need to stamp out. I think but, um, in, under persecution, only the fundamentals remain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna. I was just gonna um, sh sh just um, share a little bit on that. Is that um, yeah, yeah. The, the fundamental things are, um, I think, um, the fundamental thing of the gospel. I would say probably everything about the gospel. Um, the gospel is the truth of Jesus Christ. It's the it's the way into heaven. It's the way to appease with God. It's the way by which we can be where we can reach that place by adhering to the gospel where God the scripture will say that God does not impute iniquity in us you know by us um, absorbing and embracing fully the gospel so what I would say the whole gospel um, and the truth of the gospel any deviation from the gospel Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You must forgive, lest your God will not forgive you. You must be merciful. Um, you must not murder. You must not steal. Um, the gospel is actually wrapped up in those Ten Commandments, you know, and um, and you know, to violate those, to teach anything that contradicts the gospel, you're actually, and to get, and, and to cause people to accept those teachings that contradicts the gospel, you've actually put a stumbling block in their way and they will not enter the kingdom of heaven because that's what Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, you are not going in to heaven and you are preventing those who would go in from going in because of your teaching, because of the things that you're teaching them, you know? So, um, so, so, so that's the, the gospel is the entrance into heaven. And if we dilute it, manipulate it, the medicine is no more the medicine. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is not sufficient anymore for anything, you know? And I would suggest, you know, when we see how all the, all the apostles and God ties up his, his ordinances so tightly that you cannot even get hair between it, you know, where he, he, he makes it so clear, says, look, this is how serious it is. Anybody who had to it, I'm going to add to him the plagues which are written in this book. Anybody who takes away from it, I'm going to take away from him the blessings that are in heaven, you know, the aid getting into heaven. You know, uh, you, you know, so so that's the gospel. The gospel is truth. When the when uh, when um, when um, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? <laughs> if, if Jesus, you know, if Jesus did so wish to speak and to answer that question, you know, um, which I probably I guess he, in many ways he probably did answer it without even saying anything, you know, because, uh, you, you know, he, he, he did say for this reason, I'm coming to the world you know, to be a record of the truth. You know, so, but, but the truth is, there's only one truth in this world, in this world, 
and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is truth. That God is, that God is, and that's what the gospel is. You know, that God is, and that we need to, we need to, we need to, um, we need to love him with all our heart and with all our mind and with all our strength. And, and, and we need to treat our neighbor like we treat ourselves. That is the gospel. And, we, and Jesus would sum it up. He says, the gospel is two things. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and these two, everything hangs on these two. That's the gospel. And if we love the Lord, we, we, we will treat everybody with dignity, with respect, with, with kindness, with graciousness, with forgiveness, and all those things. We will not hurt each other. We will not be malicious against each other. We will not backbite each other. We will not slander each other. We will not destroy each other. We will support. We will uplift. We will seek the good of each other if we have those two commands. Love the Lord. As a matter of fact, I would even be brave. And so we only need one commandment if we understood what this one commandment means. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. You know, if we could understand the fullness of what that meant, which that in that one commandment does include the second commandment, because you cannot do that first commandment without, um, you know, fulfilling the second commandment. Amen. Amen. I was just thinking there, Pastor Williams, um, you know, when you're talking about the, the gospel being tied up in the Ten Commandments and in this one commandment, we, what we are noticing is people are misunderstanding what that is. Churches are not representing what the actual meaning of that is because they're, they're veering towards social programs rather than the preaching of the gospel. Now the, and that causes an offense. You know, it causes an offense by avoiding that offense they're actually avoiding Christ's reproach, you know, and unfortunately, if you want to preach the gospel, or I want to preach the gospel, I'm going to have to bear that reproach. Paul's, Paul was bearing it. As a result, he suffered for it. Now, if people's motives are the gospel is going to make them rich, they'll have all kinds of TV programs, television programs, radio programs, whatever, internet or media. Mm. It's going to become clear mm. at some stage that they're going to have to compromise with the world. Yes. So they, they, they become very choosy with their words. A non-effective, non-offensive gospel, as you mentioned, you know, watered down, diluted, salt and light, just, just not doing that, yeah? So I just wanted to bring back in Stephen and a little bit about Peter as well. When We know that Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preached the undiluted, pure word of God, and people got saved and baptized. And the church began, begins to grow, and we see that other people are coming forward. We see the ministry of deacons, if you like, evangelists. And among, chief amongst, among them was Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And I wanted to bring in that the word of God is an offense. It's a double-edged sword. For us, it builds our faith. But for the world, the preaching of the, faith, uh, of the word, well, it's, again, a double-edged sword. They're either going to have to believe or they get hardened. None of us, well, I'd say that many preachers are not doing that. They're not challenging themselves. They're not challenging their messages. They're just being comfortable. Yes. Yes, that, that, that's very interesting. Well, I say interesting. It's not interesting. That is just, um, that's the truth. That's the truth. It's not interesting. It is the truth. Um, you know, you know um, you know, every, um, 
every time, and I use the word every time, but what I probably really mean is frequently, often, more times than not. When you listen to um, people sharing their, their testimonies or, or, um, or the, the, the challenges that they face in the workplace and stuff like that, you know, there is always, there's never um, any demand or call upon them. I would say probably um, there's one sister whose name I shall not call, just, just um, I, I know that it would, it would, it would um, reveal too much. Um, but I know that when she is faced with um, issues, she has demonstrated that she's, even though she might be um, tense in her heart and, and, and apprehensive in her, um, in, in, at the time and the moment when she's got to make a stand. Nevertheless, um, she seems to demonstrate that she is prepared to confront the iniquity that is challenging her and to come out of the closet, so to speak, or put her head above the parapet, you know, um, and suffer the consequences by making a stance. And the reason that she gives, and I've been observing and following this, this wonderful sister for such a long time, to, you know, and that that is her demonstration, her vocal affirmation and acclamation is that she fears God, she fears hell, and she wants to dwell in heaven where God is, regardless of, um, of the human um, fear and tension that exists at the moment that she is being challenged to, to make a stand for something, you know. So I do respect that. But when you listen to many of our folks, um, you know, um, when they do um, talk about the issues that they see, there is something very sad that comes at the back of that. The issues exist. But then they talk about, I'm a professional person. I, my job, management, um, obeying those who have the rule over you. Um, I never hear much about, I gotta make a stand for truth. Mm. And truth is nothing at all if it is hidden and kept secret. Truth must be manifested. Jesus was the manifestation of truth. And so it's no good me, you know, I hear somebody said, some, some rich person, and I think it's, I think the guy's name is Akon, um, the, 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 the rapper, and, and he's not the only person that said it, but I heard people say they don't want to be the richest people in the grave. You know, they want to use their wealth whilst they are alive to do good, you know. And so my question is, I don't want to be a man full of truth in the grave. I want to be a man alive, exposing and expounding and promoting truth. Truth is no good in the grave. Truth is for living. Truth is to, to impact and to challenge those wayward people, wayward government, wayward managers, wayward leaders, confused people, rebellious young people. That's what truth is. Truth is also not just, truth is also to, to, 
I'm going to use the word celebrate. I, I, I really use the word celebrate because I have an issue with the word celebrating things that we often talk about celebrating. If you say celebrating God, I will say, yes, I celebrate it. But when we start to put celebrating into the other thing, I have some, I have some, um, some reservation. But, 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 but I'm going to use that word um, just very tentatively. Truth also is now brother reese you have three wonderful and i can use you because you're a host you're a host you're you've, you've brought us on this platform to talk so i'm gonna i'm gonna personify you you have three wonderful beautiful lovely um little young people um in your quiver um now if they do good truth is also to let them know that they've done good mm -hmm. and if they do not so good truth also is to let them know that they did not do so good you know and truth is not making the one who did not do good feel as if they were they've done good they need to know in love that they did not do good isn't that what the father of heaven did with cain and abel he said to Cain, you know, if you do good, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do good, you know, be careful because sin lies at the door. You know, so so truth is, as Brother Paramvir and yourself, um, Brother Reese said, it's a two-edged sword. God is a two-edged sword. He embraces, but he will also frown. And one of the things that I do notice in our, amongst us and with us and in our deliberation so frequently is God is only one thing we want to define. God is love. Well, God is judgment as well. God is wrath. God is, God is, God is jealous. God is many things. You know, He's not just this one little. And it, and it's the way that we define love. Love, you know, brother Reese. You might chastise your little ones, but that don't mean that you don't love them. Whom the Lord love, He chastens. Mm -hmm. No chastening for the time being to us. It seems like it's glorious. It's fantastic. It's fun. My dad never, never contradicts me. My dad never challenged me. It sounds great. But the Bible says, but chastening, correcting. In the end, it brings forth good fruit. You know, so, um, so, so I believe, you know, in our churches, one thing, we don't chasten anybody. We don't provoke anybody. We don't push anybody to do good. As a matter of fact, you know, I will tell you something that I discovered, Brother Parmby and Brother Reese, um, in this whole scenario. I found in observation, and I'm a person who observes. I that's part of what I do. I observe. I listen. I watch. I'm, I call myself a man watcher. I watch the world. I watch people to, to understand. Why, why did this happen? Why is that person doing that? Why? So, you know, I'm not making any judgment, but I'm questioning and, and challenging the whole thing. Now, I found that people are, feel more comfortable for you, Brother Paramvir, to tell them that you fell 100 feet rather than, for you, for, for, rather than to hear you say, I did not fall a hundred feet. When I could have fallen a hundred feet, I did not fall. People are more comfortable and, and accommodating to hear that you fell. 
But the thing is, God did not call us to fall. He called us to stand. Mm. Falling, it, and that's, I'm not saying that people will not fall, but it's not something to celebrate falling. Mm. We, we will celebrate or we will rejoice with them rising up. But people, need, so for example, Brother, Brother Parmbe, if you say to me, if you ask me the question, Pastor Williams, have you ever been depressed? Now, if I was to stand in our congregation and I suspect and say, I have never been depressed, people would say, mm, yeah, holier than holy, whatever, whatever the scenario might be. But if I said I was depressed, everybody would rally around me probably. But what would, wouldn't it be good for you to ask me, why, what did you have in your utility belt? What spirit are you carrying that you were not depressed? What manner of man are you? What manner of person are you? What makes you not depressed? That for me is the question that we, we don't celebrate people's strength, people's tenacity, people's faith, people's, we only, we all, you only want to rejoice with me when you hear that I have fallen into the pit. Yeah, let me just turn that, turn this thing up here. Pastor Williams, while, while you're sharing that, something interesting came to me. Do you notice yeah. that I, I'm, I'm often berating our church and its structure. You'll hear me a lot in my Sunday school lessons berating I, the way information comes down. Yeah. Yeah. And the agendas, I say, are very similar to what the world is doing. So if they're talking about a social gospel, if they're talking about mental health, you can follow. Our, our sermons, if you like, and they parallel very, very closely to what the world is getting. Yeah. And um, so mental health is becoming a big issue, yeah? Yes. Social gospel is becoming a big issue. But we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to have the answers, but we're behaving just like the world. We don't have the answers. We have to bring in the experts. We have to listen to what they're saying. Oh, we need some education. Mm. on medicine and psychology mm. and uh you know experts in their field and i don't bring them down i think these things have their place and i'm not bringing them down you know god bless them if that's what they've been called to but it cannot override the gospel no mm. no and the point i wanted to bring about was that this is satan's plan mm. his plan is get us into a place where we shut up yes do as we're told let him go, carry on his own agenda. Forget about the gospel. Too scared to preach the gospel. Mm. Remember Gideon when he was hiding away and the angel came down, the angel of the Lord, mm. and had to encourage him. And I think there's a lot of that going around where, and I, I'm not saying it's the church of God of prophecy only. I think churches are in disarray because the ones that are standing up mm. are finding, like the pastor in Canada, mm finding themselves on the rough edge, you know, on, on, the, on the thin end of the wedge, or, or, or you yeah. know, they, they are beginning to suffer for the yes. faith. Mm. But we are viewing it as if, oh, well, that's a bit wrong, isn't it? You should be a bit more obedient, and you shouldn't be causing waves and mm. causing controversy. You should be complying. Well, Everyone's... Of course. Yeah, no, no, sorry, sorry to cut you. Uh, you know, uh, of course, um, we're in a pandemic, so we have to behave this way. Well, you know, um, it's in pandemic that we need God to tell us how to behave, not just conforming, but to do the thing that he would have us to do. Because it's in extraordinary time 
that the extraordinary spirit of God does extraordinary things, you know, and, um, and I know people have died and all that, and that is the fear that I find. Everybody, most people that you speak to, the biggest thing is, I don't want to die, you know, and, you know, I don't want to die, but I'm going to die one day or the other, you know, so I don't want to die today. I, I feel I would like to share, spend some time sharing some, some goodness, some words, some wisdom with, with, with people, with, with some young ones and probably some old ones if their head will become supple to listen. You know, um, you know, I don't want to die. I want to, I want to be, I want to be expended. If there's any wisdom, if there's any knowledge, if there's any gift in me, I want to expend it. I want I want it not to be remaining in me. I want it out of me, you know. And if I've done that, then I then I will be gladly. If I if I've done that, and if God feels that I have done that, and there's nothing more that I can do to add value and virtue to to lives and to situation around me, then I would say, like Simeon, Lord God Almighty, let me depart in peace, you know. And I'm happy. You know, I, you know, I pray to God, I'm, you know, I don't want to die just like anybody. I don't want to have coronavirus. I don't want to, I don't want to have the terrible um, um, experience that so many people have expressed, you know, but at the same time, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to honor God, not just when he gives me a million pounds, but I want to honor him when he takes my right foot away from me and my, and when I'm blind and whatever else. I want to honor God in every situation, not just in the good thing, not just when I'm able to clap my hands and when sing and raise my hand and praise and say, hallelujah, I love you, Jesus Christ. In the hard time, that is when God is really honored, when we have nothing and still rejoice and bless him and hold fast the principles that he has um, given to us. When I have everything, what's the proof that I love God? You know, that, that's how God proved that we love him when he strips us and see how we stand. You know, that's what he did to Job. That's what he did to, um, to Abraham. He says, and when he, and when he did it to Abraham, when he told him to sacrifice Isaac, his one son, and God even, God, 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 God bigged up the situation. He said, God, he said, he didn't say to Abraham, he said, go and sacrifice your son. He, God had the objective to it. He had the definition to it. He, he, he emphasized your only son, <laughs> your only son, you know? Um, so, so God is like intensifying it. Go and sacrifice your only son, you know? And, um, and, um, and then after he did it, God says, now I know. No, God, of course, God knew before, but God is just actually saying to Abraham, now you have proven to me, you know, that you love me. So God said, now I know that you love me <laughs> because you didn't withhold your only son from me. You know, so, so yeah, um, you know, I, I go back again, you know, and say, Brother Reese and, 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 and um, Brother Paramvir, um, I find that people are comfortable with you if you say that I have gone through uh, depression and mental illness or whatever else. And, but if you were to stand up and say, these things have never troubled me, you're an anomaly. You are, you're not even seen as somebody whom God has blessed to be different. You are seen as this cocky, this um, self-centered, this liar, this egotistical beast, you know. Um, 
and not as somebody that God has blessed not to respond as other people respond in situation. And I pray to God, you know, for God called us to be strong. You know, he called us to stand. He called us to be courageous. He's called us to be of a sound mind. So suppose I then am prepared to adopt and manifest a sound mind. Is this not something that you should celebrate in and not just only celebrating the ones who, who have fallen on their knees and, and rise? Of course we celebrate, we rejoice for those people who have, who have succumbed. And we're not say, I'm not saying that people you know, will not succumb to things and things and things, but when people succumb to fear, if you succumb to fear, do you honor God? Well, of course not. No, no. Of course you can't honor God. You know, in, in the moment when you sin against God, do you honor God? No. When you repent, you honor him. But when you sin, you do not honor him. So, 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 so on the one hand, you dishonor him, and then you honor him. Isn't it best never to dishonor him at all? You know, I'm just putting a scenario before us, you know, so, so, so we need to, we need to, we need to, if we got strong men and strong women amongst us who are able to float above the tide and not to submerge under the tide, for goodness sake, rejoice in them because we need them in battle. In battle, we need strong men, we need strong women because they become the focus that will help us not to fall and not to crumble and make us recognize and that's a we have a higher height and higher depth that we can also climb to we do not have to be crawling on our on our belly on our belly yeah, this morning this woman rang me and she was speaking to me and in the background her daughter was she was dropping her daughter up to school and her daughter was going up to school and i heard she used the word remember now you are the head and not and not the not tail. The tail. <laughs> You're above and not beneath. That's what she was telling her daughter as her daughter was going up to school. And that's mm. what I'm saying to us. We are the we are we are called by God, the head, and not the tail. We are told that we are above and not beneath. We are told that men will borrow from us, but not the reverse. You know, and so when and again, there's a bit of a danger there, me using that scripture, because for the prime the, 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 the prosperity people will pick up on, on that and say and say people we're supposed to be giving to people and not and not begging people there is a spiritual understanding that sometimes people miss to, to, to give this private interpretation to fit their particular scenario of, of prosperity prosperity you know and then um, so, so so here's the thing then we're supposed to be giving courage to the world and not extracting from them courage we're supposed to be giving them hope and not getting hope from them we're supposed to be we're supposed to be giving them virtue we're supposed to be giving them words of comfort word of wisdom and not getting that from them that's what jesus is about jesus came jesus said i when people wanted to minister to jesus he said i do not come here to be ministered to i came to minister to people and the church of God, we are here to minister to people, but the, everybody is ministering to us. The world is ministering to us. The world is comforting us, you know, and we are not comforting the world. And there is, I'm glad you call this, um, your session, Reese, um, you call it, what is it, deep? Um, oh, six, six deep, yeah, yeah. Six to six deep, you know, because I think, um, I think you're doing, and in this, you, you, you should not be afraid to, um, 
to push questions, you know, whatever the answer that come out, whatever the, or whatever the suggestion and thought that come out, push, push. Anything that you see not um, that you want to challenge and question, push. Because only when you push, some truth will come out of something and we will have a look and we reflect on ourselves in different ways. And we need to reflect on ourselves in different ways. We cannot be comfortable with, 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 with everything that we're doing. We need to question ourselves. You know, you know I, I, I could go on, but I, I will terminate at this juncture. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, uh, if I may, just a few minutes, Reese, I know we're running out of time. Um, so I wanted to just go back because we started talking about false teachers. Yeah, when um, Gehazi yielded to that temptation, when he saw all that gold and clothing, he decided to chase after the man to get him because Elisha had turned him away, and Elisha was pretty insistent. No, yeah, but Gehazi felt a bit cheated there, and he felt that perhaps we did a good job. We needed to be paid. So he comes up with a plan. He chases after the, the man and says, well, my master, you know, uh, sort of didn't, but there's been a situation where someone, is, uh, one of the prophets, young prophets has come down and we could do with a few clothes and a bit of money for him and this and that. Of course, that was a total lie. When he came back, Elisha said to him, went not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee. Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and maidservants and manservants, if you like, yeah? And here's the interesting bit. The leprosy therefore departed of Naaman. The leprosy of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. That seed are the false teachers of today. The word of God has made it very clear that those who fall into that trap, God will deal with them harshly. These men are not going to be allowed to continue perverting the gospel any longer. And I pray to God that he shuts them down so the true men of God and women can stand up. The biggest problem that Jeremiah had wasn't the Babylonians. It was the false teachers. The biggest problem that uh, Ezekiel had and all the prophets were the people amongst themselves. And Moses and, well. Yeah. Sorry, I was just getting carried away. He said, even if scorpions are with you, around you, yeah? yeah? You keep faithful to the word of God. You're going to have to speak. You have to speak the word of God, yeah. no matter what. And I think we are afraid of what our brothers and sisters would do to us. Yeah. But the scripture says the fear of man brings a trap. Yeah. You know, and maybe many, yeah, many people want to say and speak Either they don't know how or they're fearful. But I pray to God today that the fear is lifted. And, and you know, Param Beer, um, and, and how does fear lift as well? Isn't it when you see somebody else setting an example? Yes. Isn't it when you see somebody else is prepared to speak out when others are silent? And that might just give you a little bit of courage as well to do something differently. Isn't this what it means by high and sharpens iron? Mm. You know, and I think I think yes. Um, so so yeah. You know, and, 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 and picking up on one of the things that you said in your statement, you know, um, you know, I tell you the honest truth. I do not fear what the world will do to me. But I tell you what does give me 
not it doesn't make me um fearful but it comes to my mind and it comes to my my, my attention and my thought process that i am i wonder more about what my what my church might do to me rather than what the world will do to me i wonder how my church might ostracize me might um um, might not recognize me because of my speech and my and my stance and my belief and my practice and my 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 challenge. You know, I don't worry about the world because I don't have no respect for the world, but I do have respect for my church and for my my leadership and and how they view me. I think I, I is important as well. And if they and if they if they they can they can hurt me more than the world can hurt me that's what i'm really trying to say you know they can shut me up more than the world can shut me up and i think and i think probably probably some church people some christians have suffered that fate where they have been silenced and um and muted and um demonized um and ostracized and ignored because of their stance you know, and that concerns me a little bit more than what the world can do, because I have no respect for the philosophies of the world. But I do have respect for the Church of God that we stand in. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul. You know, he was demonized from within and without. Last is a false apostle. At one stage, he felt he was the only one. Everybody abandoned him. And when you have, if we were to look for commendations from Peter, it won't come. In fact, he had to turn around and rebuke him. The only one who stood by me was the Lord, he said. So, unfortunately, I don't think there's ever going to be a situation where churches are going to say, we believe what you're saying. We're all going to unite together and go after that. I, I'm not sure it will be lovely to see that. I think we have to have a, you know, an understanding that we all perhaps have a different view of the word. Maybe God has given some revelation or maybe imparted something that maybe the rest of us haven't come to yet, but the one person has to go forward or maybe one or two must stand because the whole church could find itself in serious hot water because this is a very serious time. Yes. Churches are being silenced mm. and being yeah. made to conform. Yes. So I agree with you, and I do sympathize with you, Pastor, um, there, you know. Uh, you might see me as a bit of a rebel. I don't. No, no. <laughs> You're one of the team. You're definitely one of the team. I was gonna I, yeah, I'm not afraid to speak. I don't care what the consequences. That's me. That's what God has engineered in me. It's, I've always been like that. I thought it was a bad thing until I realized now. It's a useful yeah. thing. No, it's, it's definitely been useful because this was one that because we're kind of running out of time because it's one of the questions I kind of wanted to bring up. That how do you how do you navigate that? Because I can certainly say that um, I've definitely grown spiritually over the last two years, but I am finding myself at the junctions where it's just like, well, the things I grew up with, I. I wrestle with and I don't believe anymore. Not because they're not true. It's just that because when you get into scripture, it looks like the the what the author is trying to say behind it is completely different to what's been given. 
So how do you how do you navigate that? Well, I guess you kind of said each other. Sometimes you'll have to just stand on your own. But how do you how do you navigate that when it's the case where you, you it's kind of weird to say that you kind of feel like the ones who are in the same boat as you tend to be those who are already on the outskirts. How do you how do you navigate wanting to be the one that's like you know what I hold a very not to say like it's in a condescending way but I yeah I'm training myself to have a very high view of the Bible and I'm trying to get very deep into it explore all the things that are around it so I can be very solid if yeah. things were to come in that are contrary to it um, I'm training that spirit of discernment it's just like, oh this has been taken out of context or no you're proof texting this to validate this argument knowing that there's going to be um going to be discussions and things around because i guess there isn't really like a forum to be able to discuss the different viewpoints and things like that how do you how do you navigate being that I mean, one how do you contend for the faith how do you yeah. contend for the faith yeah yeah so, so 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 if i can chip in there reese and i hear you and i'm gonna start off by telling you the one thing that you don't do Some people have walked away from us, and I think that they've made. If you if you've been kicked out or kicked away, that's different. But if you walk away, that you're you're willing. That is your. Those are your feet moving. So some people have walked away from us, and to tell you the honest truth, um, you know, and I'm I'm a, I'm a very graphic person when I speak, but I'm a very nice and gentle person when I hug and embrace you, and when I and when I comfort you. Um, the scripture says things like um, a rod for the fool's back. Now, we'd have to define what the fool is. And, uh, and I believe that there are some people that need a rod for their back when they when they're foolish. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, we have become such a nice and a nice and genteel and um, sophisticated human beings. We are so we're so, we've, we've evolved. We've evolved into such a way that. Oh, don't speak too harsh to me because you will damage my brains. You will damage my soul. You know, um, there's a, but I will say there's a rod for the fool's back, you know, and then, but, but here, here's what I say. So what, this is the one thing you do, Brother Reese, in your, in your, um, in your grappling or my grappling to, um, to stand for truth and to contend for the gospel as Brother Parmvir said. Never walk away from the church of God of prophecy. Never walk away. That is, that, that's defeat, walking away. Stand and contend and, and keep on, be a Noah. Keep on banging the nails and banging the hammer, you know, uh, until the flood comes. Never walk away. It, you might reach the point where you feel so strongly about the things that you want to practice and that you're going to live to. And you might reach the point where you say, as for me and my house, this is how we're going to live. But don't walk away. You know, you can live differently. You can decide like um, the, like the, um, the, the sons of um, Jonah Dab and Rechab, um, the Rechabites. You might be like the Rechabites and decide that say, as for me and my house, we're not going to live in houses. We're going to live in tents and live to that principle. But don't walk away. Still remain 
a member of the Church of God of Prophecy. You can do it. But then again, God is good. God will allow you to find like-minded people. And I go back, let me take you back to the book of Malachi. In the book of Malachi, the same kind of a struggle is going on as the one that you are describing. And God, and you know, the, peop the people are arguing and there's a few people who are holding on to God and they're contenting and, the, and God's, God says to them, he come to comfort those few people. He said, those that fear the Lord, they met often and they comforted one another with the word of God and with the scriptures. And God said, uh, and I remember them and I'm gonna write a book of remembrance for them so that when I gather my jewels together, they shall be mine, said the Lord, and then you will return. That's the other people them who have not been like it. They will return and discern and see that there is a difference. A difference? The, the difference is that God treats people differently who serve him and who do not serve him. That's what Malachi was saying. But here, let me conclude by saying this, Brother Reese, and this is it. I love and I admire and I respect and I pursue and I want to be like the prophet um, Micaiah, who when all the false prophets, we started with false prophet and we probably will end soon with false, false prophet. When all the false prophet of Ahab, with one voice they said something. And when they, when, when they went down to fetch Micaiah to see if he would also support their view, and they said on the road coming back to Ahab, they said to Micah, please, this is what all the prophets have said. Notice false prophet don't call themselves false. You know, he said, they said, this is what all the prophets have said. They've spoken with one voice and telling the king that this is what's gonna happen. Don't you speak any differently. I, we pray, speak with the same voice as us. Now, this is the bit, Brother Reese, where your contention is. And this is what Malachi said to them or Micaiah said to them, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will say. And that is my view. Whatever God is saying to you, say, but test the spirit mm -hmm. to make sure that you're confident that God is saying it. And how do you test it? Study to show yourself approved unto God. Seek the face of God, seek his righteousness, Seek his grace, seek his spirit, and stand like my Micaiah. Yeah, it's, it does leave nothing about it. I guess it also leans on to what might happen on in the future. So um, hopefully we can get to a stage where people can just share their, their different views and be able to, to sharpen each other's iron so we can get a better understanding of what things are going on and build the body and edify it as we go on rather than just being divided and let the uh, the enemy pick us off in the deep dark corners when we're supposed to be bred in that or bearing one another's burdens and continuing one another and things like that so yeah, it does leave a, a lot to think about so do thank you for that um is it is it okay Reese, if we can end on um, romans i'm just going to read the scripture yeah yeah, yeah sure uh, romans eight thirty five onwards who shall separate us from the love of christ Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Uh, he says, a bit further down, he says, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, 
no things present now with the COVID, yeah? Mm. No things to come, the future. Yeah, no height, no depth. No, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's uplifting. It's something to definitely, definitely dwell on. And yeah, and to be fair, it's, it's, he, he speaks to you because of the the things to hold on to. So like we were saying before, um, again, it's running out of time, like how people are, they said they're struggling with this and they're struggling with that and, you know, God help me with this. Um, when it comes to those sorts of things for me, the viewpoint I have is that um, generally all the the practical things we deal with on a day-to-day basis in our lives generally kind of come down to a theological issue. So if I'm struggling with something or I'm fighting something, it tends to be because it's either I don't view God the way I should or I'm not allowing him to work in that certain place. And when I come to the root of it, it's like, oh, yeah, because like I said in the whole Testament, there's things that um, or situations I come to when I was younger with full despair, saying, oh, you know, I profess to be a Christian, but I'm struggling with this. Whereas like now it's just like, People look at you and say, all of this stuff is going on and you seem pretty calm, cool and collected. It's like, oh, yeah, it's not because of me. It's because I know who I'm standing with, what I'm standing on and what God has said, I know is true. And there's going to be an end goal and all of this. And you kind of see it in certain people's, um, in how they discuss stuff. Um, I'm running out of time. But I was watching a video yesterday um, um, of this Christian couple. Like he's, the, the husband, he's... Um, don't know his name but he um he ended up being um mostly deaf um in his 20s i think so he's had to adjust to that but some people will go oh you know woe is me woe is me woe is me whereas he was like he struggled with it to begin with but it was like oh i think god's trying to teach me something here and the same thing is with his wife like she has the um the health things that she deals with um, but only, I think it was a year ago, she ended up being um, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, but she's really healthy, she eats the right things, but it's just how her body's, um, body's working. And their response again was, I think God's trying to teach us something here. It wasn't a case of, oh, woe is me. It's just like, well, you can see that there's something that is beyond themselves that they're holding on to. And it's, it's that thing that once you're rooted in, anything can come your way and it's because of the truth that you're standing on that you can navigate those situations. And there's one more thing I would love to share, but I'll leave that. <laughs> I'll leave that. It's a bit of a testimony, but I'll leave that for another time. I think you're muted, Pastor Williams. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah. No, I, I wasn't saying anything. I was just, I was just agreeing. <laughs> yeah. And, and Reese, one thing that you said there. I know that we've finished, but the one thing you said there that um, I would just like to to say, you know. You talk about people um, uh, might be having some some struggles, and it probably might be the way that they view the scripture, the way that they should view the scripture. They're not viewing it the way that they should. You know, they might have ideas that that they are not sure about. This this is the thing. If bring those ideas, the young people or whatever, if they have don't don't sleep and practice what you practice. Bring it and put it under the hammer. And let it be beaten until it still stand. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but don't, you, you know, don't have an a wayward idea or a strange idea and just go off. At, put it under the peer review, if so to speak. Not, not an, I don't like that one, but, but let's put it under the peer review and beat it. Put it under the word of God. 
and let other people beat it with the word of God and see if it shrivels into powder or whether it still stands. And if it stands, hold it firm. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It is not an exhaustive topic. Uh, there's plenty more that we could delve into, but we don't want to dominate this current section on just the one topic. So, unfortunately, we have to leave it here. But before I try and expand on some of the things that we discussed in this episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to those who are participating in our discussion on Instagram with regards to any false doctrine and stuff that they know or the dangers around them. To mention the discussion I was having with uh, Sarah Stone, uh, she mentioned that it's a bit extreme, but there are churches in the US who engage in snake handling based on a scripture that she believes Paul did and was unharmed. I agree. When we come to looking at trying to approach the Bible and trying to disseminate and to take apart the Bible to understand its hidden meanings behind, we should be very careful in the applications of the scriptures. One of the main things I'd like to mention in regards to this part of interpreting scripture is that narrative is not always a normative so just because it's happened in this particular point in history doesn't mean it has to happen for you so for instance i could use uh, numbers 22 where was spoken there's a prophet who was spoken to by a donkey in a human language very much like the donkey in shrek it's probably where they got the idea from Somebody could look at that and say, oh, if I'm going to make an error or God is going to warn me about something that I'm going to do that's contrary to his will, I need to be looking out for animals to speak in human languages in order to tell me that I'm doing something wrong. That would be a misuse of the scripture there because obviously what's going on in the narrative is something that was unique for that person there, but there's nothing that says that it's prescriptively something that should happen to every believer. There are other scriptures in the Bible where this is also the case, and I think this is probably one of them, where care needs to be taken. I can understand the, the, the heart behind why people would want to exhibit these gifts or these miraculous things, but these things happen to specific people for a specific reason, and I do find it interesting that this part of the Bible is debated as whether it's not, well, apparently it's not included in certain manuscripts so they feel like it might be added at a later time but aside from that discussion as I believe the book as I believe the word of God to be inerrant and it's God breathed it's inspired it's there for for learning and for teaching and for rebuke and for strengthening those hates that we do need to be very careful in how we handle scripture this probably leads quite comfortably onto the comments made by Alfred about my questions and concerns about how to handle different biblical views in a church setting when there is a specific a way that the group of believers in the church hold themselves so it's a case of these are that these are the fundamentals for them this is what we believe but how do you handle or approach the different views that can help with those believers so obviously we hold on to the essentials which is to do with Christ to do with the Trinity to do with salvation 
and the means of salvation and how that affects our Christian faith and then obviously got the the non-essentials which is pretty much everything else so whether it be eschatology uh, whether it be to do with spiritual gifts whether they're continuing whether they're not um, almost want to say how we baptize people those sorts of questions are considered non-essential so we have the grace as mentioned by Pranvia to be able to discuss and try to break those things down I do believe that these things come about and you probably see it with the denominations that because we are so far removed from the actual events 2000 years ago it's probably more difficult to understand the context of what was going on at that time and how we can apply it as correctly as possible to our lives but I wouldn't go as far as to say that it is impossible for us to try and discover the truth which is why I believe it's very important for us to be able to study our Bible to, to try and see what all the viewpoints are not necessarily to just choose to find, to try to choose the one that sounds the best to us but to try and find out how we can try and at least crack the truth of the Bible because we won't discover everything on this side of life God will reveal all that on the other side but we could certainly do our best and it would help us strengthen in the faith strengthen us as believers but then it will also help us guard ourselves from error obviously you guys have now been made aware of some of the contentional things that are going on because obviously I don't hold all the views that my uh, the church that I attend or the denomination of the church that I attend holds to but it shouldn't stop me from being united with the believers but I do want to at least hold these conversations so other people can at least feel like they can have their conversations wherever they are in the world because I know there's a lot of people who are listening from different corners of the world which we hadn't anticipated to begin with so we hope that it allows this conversation to happen almost on a universal level where we can kind of come to the truth of what is going on in the scriptures and how we can apply it to our lives and how we can strengthen other believers but also how other believers can strengthen us and on this note i would like to uh wind down this episode but please join us on the next episode because it's going to be a little bit of a special bonus one um as we come towards the end of the year um I don't know if many people have been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, but I feel like that is a very poignant, but then also very coincidentally specific discussion worth having based on the things we've been talking about over the past few weeks. But we're also going to be finishing the year with a Q&A session um, that's going to be held close just to see if we can work out the, the inner workings of how it could work. Um, which will also be recorded and shared to finish off the year as we go into the new year where we're going to be starting debates on the far more controversial topics to work out what the truth behind certain scriptures are. I won't let you know what some of the topics are right now but when the time is right we'll certainly let you know what those things are. But thank you very much for listening and until next time take care and God bless.